Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It is Wednesday, we are halfway through the week. Just three days away now from Arsenal's third Premier League game of the season. Fulham coming up at the Emirates, 3pm kickoff. Can Arsenal make it nine points from nine to close out August? That would be very nice indeed. Plenty to talk about today. We've got following Balogun, who continues to be in the headlines. We'll talk about Albert Sambi Laconga. Nicholas Pepe is back at Arsenal. We'll have a little chat about him and his future as well. Got lots of questions from you guys, of course. So lots to discuss in today's episode. So I've got to start, first of all, as usual at the moment. You're probably bored of it, but I make no apologies because I need to plug this as much as I can. The book, of course, we are now very, very close, just eight days away now from launch day and launch night at the Tollington. If you're watching this on screen, you can see the flyer for it there on the right. We've got the details of the launch night starting from 4 p.m. at the Tollington. Doors open at 4, sign in. I'll be there from about from then onwards, really. Sign in will start from about 5.15, so you'll be able to buy the books. The books are going to be on sale there, thanks to Stoke Newington Bookshop, who will be providing the books. Then I'll be there to sign them as well. And then from sort of 7, 7.15 onwards, we're going to have a big Arsenal conversation going to be a panel as you know gunner blog aka james mcnicholas is going to be joining me and i can announce today as well that sam dean who's been on this channel before the daily telegraph arsenal reporter fantastic journalist is also going to be joining me on the panel so it's going to be me james and sam on the panel talking all things arsenal and open it up to the audience for you if you can come to get your questions in we'll have a good evening of arsenal chat so please do come down if you can if you can't and you want to get your hands on a copy for launch day then you can pre-order it now the pre-order link is down below in the description so please do click on that after this video and um and yeah get ordering and hopefully the book will be winging its way to you on August 31st. Thank you so much for the support so far. I know pre-order sales are going very, very well and I really do appreciate that. And uh, yeah, if you haven't got your copy, then please do get your copy now. All right, let's talk about Follower and Balogun, shall we, who is just consistently in the headlines now as we approach 
deadline day. I think nine days to go before transfer deadline following Balogun. Long been expected to leave Arsenal during this window. It hasn't happened yet, but we are hitting crunch time when it comes to following Balogun and his future. Things are really going to step up over the next few days. I believe um, clubs very much interested in him. We know Monaco are interested. We know they've had a bid turned down. That interest hasn't gone away. Discussions are still going on with Arsenal to come up with an agreement that suits all parties. Monaco still want Balogun. And I think that would be a very good move for him. But Chelsea are sniffing around following Balogun. And whether they haven't bid yet, unlike Monaco, um, whether they do remains to be seen. You would think if Arsenal would be open to selling Balogun to Chelsea, then they would probably want more money than they would if they're going to sell him to uh, Monaco. I think Monaco have got a much better chance of getting Balogun at a slightly lower price of a compromise type deal than Chelsea would. You know, Arsenal can't be doing Chelsea any favours. That would be an absolute joke if they did that. You know, you've been very firm on this 50 million valuation for Balogun. You know, you'd think if he ends up going to Monaco, they might agree to come to some sort of compromise during these negotiations that are ongoing. But if Chelsea come in for Balogun, then it's like, well, give us 50 million or you're not. You're not even, you know, you shouldn't even entertain the thought of selling him to Chelsea unless they hit the figure. You know, they've given everyone pretty much in Europe uh, as much money as they want at the moment with all their players. So they can't be coming to Arsenal now and sort of begging, begging for a, a cheap deal on such a young, talented striker. So, you know, if Chelsea want to come, then come, but put all the money down on the table and don't muck about. Um, we still wait to see if Fulham make a move. Fulham are looking at Balogun. They've got a big hole up front with Mitrovic having gone to Saudi. Will they look to reinvest that money in Balogun? That's one I think would be a good move for him as well. Stays in London, of course. He's in the Premier League. There's clearly an opportunity there for a bit to, for him to be the main man as a striker in the Premier League club. So, you know, I can see that being a really appealing option for him. Fulham are a good team. They play good football. They've got a really good manager. Of course, as I said, they're in London. So I think that would be a really appealing option for him. But Monaco just feels like it could be quite a good move for his career at this stage of it. He knows France. He's been successful in France. It's a fantastic club with a brilliant history. Um, you know, if Arsenal can get some sort of deal done with Monaco for Balogun, I think that would probably be best for all parties. The prospect of him going to Chelsea is just one that doesn't sit well with me. And if it was to happen, it would have to be for big, big money. And uh, no messing around from Arsenal, no compromise whatsoever with them. It would have to be big money for them to go down. I still don't like the idea of it. Let me know what you guys think. You know, where would you want go- Balogun to go? If the clubs that are being listed, Fulham, Chelsea, Monaco, what would you your preferred destination be for him? And if it was a case of accepting a slightly lower fee from Monaco to get him there rather than him going to Chelsea for a slightly ho- higher fee, would you prefer that? I think you probably would, but please do let me know as always in the comments below. But I do think this is, you know, we're, we're hitting crunch time when it comes to Balogun and Arsenal. It needs to be sorted. The clock is ticking, nine days to go. Deal needs to be done. I think we're going to see things really move forward in the next few days when it comes to him. Another player who is still at Arsenal, who we're expecting to go this summer. It hasn't happened. Sambi Lekonga. Now, interesting links. I saw um, Fabrizio Romano yesterday saying that Brighton were sniffing around Sambi Lekonga. A couple other reporters on the Brighton patch seems to suggest it as well. Whether this is a bit of sort of brinkmanship, because I think they're in for someone else and those that move hasn't quite materialised yet. And whether this is a bit of brinkmanship to try and get that deal to restart again remains to be seen. It's certainly an interesting one. You look at Lekonga, 
And he is a good player. He's a tidy player. He's got good technique. He just hasn't been able to really shine at Arsenal. He's never really stepped up when needed. And he had plenty of opportunities, but he just never really stepped up and, and showed what he was about, really. We still don't know kind of what player he is, whether he, what his best position is. And um, he needs to go somewhere and do that. And I really thought he would end up at Burnley this summer. It doesn't look like that's going to happen now. And Brighton, if he can get into the team, you'd think it'd be a really good move for him. They're a fantastic side, play brilliant football. They're top-level Premier League side. They've got a brilliant coach who plays football exactly the right way. And if he could go there and get in the team, you think he would learn an awful lot this year and there'd be a very, very good chance of the Congas value going up by the end of the season if this was to be alone. You know, I can see it being quite an appealing one for Arsenal, but it's just that key thing of if he gets in the team. Because if he goes there, sits on the bench and doesn't force his way into the team, then you just think, oh, is that worth it? You know, is that going to do anyone any good? It's going to be another year of his career gone. It's going to be another year of his contract gone at Arsenal and another year that probably sees his price start to fall at the end of it. So it'd just be really crucial. Arsenal need to make a good decision. If they do send Sambi out on loan, which as we get closer to the window, feels like the most likely option now, um, that it would probably be a loan with an option perhaps um, to buy the following summit. If they do go down that route, then they need to choose the right club because it would be just no good for anyone if he doesn't play. And that's my only worry with Brighton if they do firm up their interest. And they haven't bid for him yet, but if they did firm up their interest in him and and got him for the season, my only concern would be about whether he would play enough over there because they're such a good team and it's be a challenge to force your way into the starting eleven. So we'll see how that one goes. But do let me know what you think in the comments below, of course, about the Conga's future. Now, I wanted to talk about this man, Nicolas Pepe. There's been lots of talk about Pepe in the last couple of days. I keep seeing it pop up on my social media feed. You know, can we use Nicolas Pepe? He's, of course, now back at London Colney. If you're looking at this on YouTube, you can see there he uploaded a poster of himself in the changing room at London Colney, not with any teammates, uh, because I don't think Nicolas Pepe is training with the Arsenal squad. He is back. He's here. Obviously, we can see the evidence of it there. But I don't think he's back training with the first team squad. Whether that changes after getting his fitness up, because you've got to remember, he's been away for months now. You know, he's been training by himself all summer. He's come back. He'll have to, you know, it's no surprise. He's not going to walk straight into the first team squad training. That might change as things progress, but we shall wait and see. But there's been lots of talk about Pepe and, you know, can we use him? If we're not going to sell him, if we can't get a deal done for him, can we just use him for the final year of his contract rather than ripping up his deal a year early, paying him off and sort of cutting all ties. And it's a very interesting debate. Personally, for me, I don't really see it. I can see why some people think, you know, he's a good player. And he is a good player. You know, Pepe, a lot of people say, oh, Pepe's a flop. And obviously, look, it hasn't been a good sign. In fact, it's been a disaster of signing. It just hasn't worked out. But I think things have kind of worked against Pepe in a way because you can't look at his first two seasons and think he was awful or anything like that. He was good. He scored goals, created goals, played a big part in the FA Cup win. Second season, I think he scored 17 goals or something like that in that season. It was just He's been very unlucky that a manager came in who wanted to play football in a different way from Nicolas Pepe, who clearly looked at him and after giving him opportunities, just didn't think he was right for his setup and didn't really trust him. Um and, you know, it's not necessarily Nicolas Pepe's fault. I just think sometimes players and managers don't, it just, the, the connection isn't there. And, you know, I don't think Pepe's been a bad egg or anything like that. He caused loads of disruption behind the scenes. I just think that Arsenal kind of evolved in a way 
that left Pepe in the dust a little bit, sort of out in the cold, similar to Kieran Tierney. Um, so I don't think he's been bad by any means. I just think he's Arsenal have evolved in a way without him. And that's why I just don't really see the argument of him coming back in and helping this season, because I just don't think Mikel would use him. I think he'd use everyone else and not Nicolas Pepe. So what's the point in keeping him around? You know, if Arsenal were chasing a game and need a goal, or if Arsenal need to need to change things to help see out a gap. I just don't see Nick, I don't see Arteta turning to Pepe. We've seen before when he's turned to Pepe off the bench and Pepe's come on and done some some stuff that has just infuriated Arteta, where he's just not quite got the football brain that Arteta wants from his players and demands from his players. And you've seen how upset Arteta has got over that. I think back to the Aston Villa away game a couple of seasons ago when he came on at 1-0, gave away a really silly free kick in the last minute that nearly ended up resulting in an equaliser. And Arteta and the coaching staff were furious. You go back to the Leeds game, I think, after that, uh, when he had a chance to go for goal with an open goal and he just got, he got it all wrong and you could see how frustrated the coaching staff again were were with him. And that's why I just, I don't think Arteta would have the trust to use Nicolas Pepe. And if that is the case, then what's the point in keeping him around and paying him? I just think the best, if you can't get a deal done in the next few days, I just think ultimately the best thing for everyone is to come to some sort of an agreement. Arsenal saves some money on the wages. Pepe goes off and plays for a club where he deserves to play because he's a good player and he deserves to be playing. He doesn't deserve to be just sitting on his backside for a season. It's just, he's better than that. He needs to go out and play. So I just think personally, I don't really buy into the idea of him coming back and being the sacker backup this season. I just don't think Mikel would use him that way, but please do join in the debate. Let me know in the comments below. Uh, elsewhere, Dinos Mavropanos has completed his move to West Ham. If you're watching this on screen, you can see there he is in his West Ham kit. Um, deal was done yesterday and completed yesterday. Arsenal get a 10% sell-on fee for that. So it's about £2 million into the bank account for Arsenal, adding up to the, you know, sort of totting up the money they've now received for Granite Xhaka, for um, who else has gone? Matt Turner has gone. So, you know, they're clocking up a little bit of transfer fees this summer, but they still need some more. And we wait and see what happens when it comes to Kieran Tierney and following Balogun and the Conga and all those sorts of players. But, you know, valuable pennies nonetheless. And looking forward to seeing how Mavropanos gets on in at West Ham. He was always a pretty talented defender when he first came through at Arsenal. He went off to Stuttgart and that proved to be a fantastic move for him. Fantastic move for Stuttgart as well because they made a massive profit on him in just a short space of time. Uh, but yeah, he's now back in the Premier League and Arsenal have got a couple of million pounds. Remains to be seen what happens with Matteo Guendouzi. If uh, Marseille do sell Guendouzi between now and the end of the transfer window, then Arsenal would be in line to receive some more money because they've got a sell-on clause for him around 15% as well. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of a lot of the deals that Arsenal do for these young players when they do sell them, absolutely it's sort of a central part of the negotiations now centres around sell-on clauses so they can get some sort of benefit if those players move on in the near future. OK, let's quickly end today by going over some of your questions and comments as usual. I have one here from Tyrone who talks about Gabrielle and I met myself and James. If you watched the episode of Inside Arsenal Extra Time yesterday, Good to see myself and James talking about Gabriel at length and the situation with him, the fact he hasn't started the last couple of games, the links with Saudi and all that. Mikel Arteta's comments with him about him after the game saying it's going nowhere. Tyrone says, I think people are thinking too deep with the Gabriel situation. I'm confident that it's as simple as, as this. Whilst Gabby is probably the best all-round defender we have, he isn't a better ball-playing centre-back than White or Saliba. If he was, he'd be starting ahead of them. Um, when we play the formation we have been thus so far this season. It's a high possession-based system and you want the best ball players on across the defence. There are a hell of a lot of games this season and there'll be plenty of games where we can dominate the way we have. 
um, against Forest and Palace. And it's those games where Gabby will surely start. Sure, if a Saudi club came with 100 million plus for Gabby, maybe Arsenal would have to consider it. But I'm sure he would be replaced with at least equal quality. So an interesting um, post there from Tyrone. A couple of things. I don't The ending of it, I don't agree with when um, you say I'm sure he'll be able to replaced with at least equal quality. I'm not sure. If it's start a window, maybe I'd agree with you. But I think if you sold him now, it'd be an absolute disaster because I don't think you would get someone of equal quality with just eight days to go in the window. All the best centre-backs are already gone this summer. Um, so it's just not something that I really agree with. Apologies, my neighbour is just about to walk past pushing his lawnmower on, a, uh, on the concrete surface on the, on the pavement. So you're probably going to hear that rumbling by in a sec. Um, so, yeah, I don't quite agree with the ending of that, Tyrone, but I agree with the top part of it. I think it probably is as simple as the way Arsenal are playing at the moment, while Zinchenko's not in the team, while Mikel's trying to dominate games and have a little bit more control without Zinchenko being able to add that extra man midfield. Maybe that is why Gabriel is sitting on the bench. I think Zinchenko will come back in this Saturday. That's going to be really interesting if he does to see what Mikel Arteta does then. Does he go back? If Zinchenko comes in at left back, do you then go back to Gabriel Saliba as the centre-backs and Ben White going back out to right back? Personally, I hope so. I still think that's Arsenal's best defence. I still think that's the setup where Arsenal are going to cause teams most problems going forward as well with Ben White on the overlap. Um, and so I hope that happens and the return of Zinchenko could well lead to that. As I said on yesterday's video, I can kind of understand if Party's playing at right back and he's drifting inside, I can kind of understand why Mikel wants Ben White as one of the centre-backs because he can still then get on the overlap at times when Arsenal are in possession and can sort of get into that space created by Thomas Party drifting inside and still have, you know, basically Arsenal still got some numbers down the right flank as well. So I can understand in a way why he's doing it now, even if I don't really like it. But I do hope if Zinchenko comes back into the team as expected this weekend, that we're going to then see Gabriel brought back into the side because I just think he's too important a player to be on the bench. But like you said, there are lots of games this season and Mikel is going to spring lots of surprises in his starting starting lineup. So I don't think we should be too shocked that already we're seeing signs of that in the first couple of games. Here's one from uh, Waiterno, or Waiterno, I'm not sure if I've got that wrong, sorry if I have. Says, Charles, what's the likelihood of Smith Rowe staying before the window shuts? The lack of minutes beginning to worry me. He then lists his WWE 11. Now, if you, like me, are a bit of a wrestling fan, then I thought this was quite interesting. Goalkeeper Kane, centre-backs of Big Show and Lesnar, right-back Taz, left-back Orton, centre-midfield Jericho and Undertaker, what pairing that is, with Edge, left-wing Michaels, right-wing Mysterio Jr. and, and Bret Hart up top, Hogan Savage Warrior coming on first, followed by the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Can't believe you've got Rock and Austin on the substitutes bench. I'm not sure they'll be too happy with that. Uh, interesting one. First of all, on Smith Rowe, unless something crazy happens between now and the end of the window and someone comes in with a huge bid that Arsenal think, you know what, we're going to have to take that then look, I think he's staying. That's the message we've always had from Arsenal since quite early on this summer is that Smith Rowe is still part of the plans and he will be staying. Obviously, that can change if a bid comes in that just turns a club head. You know, if someone suddenly comes in with £60 million of Smith Rowe in the next eight days, then maybe Arsenal would consider it. But aside from that, I think you know he's still very much part of the plans. And when you say the lack of minutes is beginning to worry me, he, it's only two Premier League games. You know, Arsenal got lots of games this season. So I do think if he stays, Smith Rowe will be given time to impress and will get minutes. On the on the WWE level, that's very, very creative. I have to say, I don't agree with Kane as a goalkeeper. I think it'd be he's big, obviously. He'd fill a lot of the goal, but I don't think it'd be too hard to beat him. You just got to pick out the corner and he's not getting down there as agile as he is for a big man. He's not getting down there. I'd have someone like Rey Mysterio in goal, fl- flinging himself across 
Uh, I'm sure he'd probably do a better job at saving it, being a bit of a shot stopper than than Kane would. Uh, the rest of them, brilliant. I love the centre midfield options of Jericho and Undertaker and Edge. That's, uh, you've got the big holding midfielder there, maybe in the Undertaker, and then Jericho and Edge providing a little, little bit more movement on either side. Lesnar is a centre-back with a big show. You're not winning many headers there, are you, from set pieces? So thank you very much for that. If anyone like me is going to Wembley on Sunday, please do let me know in the comments below. I'll be there for AEW. All in. Can't wait for that. Going to be a really fun afternoon and evening at Wembley. Okay, here's one from... Uh, NNA Mediki or something. Oh, sorry, again, if I've got that wrong. Said I would love Ivan Tony at Arsenal and it would definitely be a dice worth rolling in January, but I've heard reports that Arsenal made Brighton's Evan Ferguson the top priority for next summer. How true is this, Charles? And do you think he'd be a better option? No, I, th- I like Evan Ferguson. I don't know if it's true. I've seen a couple of the speculation reports on the internet about it, but I haven't heard anything myself about Evan Ferguson being identified as the target for next summer. Look, I'd have Tony in a heartbeat. I think Tony in January would be a really interesting option. I spoke about it with James on yesterday's show. I just think he's a fabulous footballer. I really do. I think he would give Arsenal another dynamic going forward, another option going forward that would completely change things. And I just think he'd be a great sign. And I would absolutely roll the dice for Tony in January if that was a possibility. And uh, I mean, what an amazing sign and that would be halfway through the season to sort of kick yourselves on for the second half, especially if you've put yourselves in a good position for another title charge. So for me, out of the two of them, I'd be going Tony. As much as I think Ferguson's a great talent, I think Tony's ready to really step up and go to the next level once he comes back from his ban, obviously. Uh, and now last one here from Laurie Berry says, Hi, Charles, from the Kentucky, from Kentucky and USA. I'm new to Arsenal and enjoy listening to your thoughts and curious questions. Um, my question is regards to Bakayo. Love him and think he's amazing. I just wonder why there is no one who can draw the defenders away from him to open up space to make him progress. So often he seems to be covered by two men and all he can do is pass. Love to see him drift into the middle the one time last night. Could more of that happen? Yeah, look, I think we've seen Bakayo drift into the middle quite a few times. I mean, the goal he scored against um, Forrest on the opening weekend, drifting in and bending one into the top corner. We've seen him do that, you know, it's become a little bit of a regular thing in the last season or so. Remember the goal against Manchester United? Remember the goal for the England against Ukraine? Obviously, the goal against Forest as well. It is becoming a bit of a thing for Arsenal. Um, in terms of why no one can draw the defenders away from him, they try, but just, you know, opposition teams kind of know that ploy and they know that they need to stick two men on Bukayo Saka most of the time because he's so dangerous and such a threat. You know, Arsenal, a big part of Thomas Partey playing at right back at times at the moment is to drift into that central area, is to draw players away to basically follow him into the centre area and that frees up more space for Bukayo. So Arsenal are trying to do that. But it's easier said than done because defenders and midfielders on the opposition team will have it drilled into them by their managers double up on Bukayo Saka at all times, no matter what happens, no matter where party goes, no matter where Ben White goes on the overlap, I want two of you on Bukayo Saka to stop him because he's such a threat. So I think a lot part of it is just tactical from the other team because they know how good a player Bukayo Saka is. And that's just what happens when you're a top-level player like Saka. You're going to get doubled up on because every team knows if you can stop Bukayo Saka, you know, you take away a big part of Arsenal's threat. All right, that's it for me for today, everyone. Thank you very much for watching and joining in as usual or listening on your podcast platforms as well. Have a very good end to your Wednesday, everyone. I'll be back tomorrow to talk all things Arsenal once again. Have a great day. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. 
Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.